Hello, dear friends. This is Pastor Evangelist Robert Venable. It is time for Let's Talk About Jesus, a Bible study right here on our website that I believe is going to give us holy marching orders and holy instructions from the Word of God. Make no mistake about it. We are in a war today with the powers of darkness. We're in a battle today with spiritual wickedness in high places. A friend of mine, we're going to have to have a a battle plan against spiritual adversaries if we're going to win this war for the minds and thereby the souls of men and women, boys and girls. It's not enough just to proclaim the gospel, even though there's such power vested in the Word of God itself, (laughs) hallelujah, and in the preaching of the cross. In fact, it's the power of God unto salvation to them that believe. Listen carefully today to the message we're bringing you. We're going to be talking about power to pull down strongholds. Power to pull down strongholds. And if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to 2 Corinthians Chapter 4, verse 3 and 4. There's some things we need as a strategy to win this battle today. And part of that strategy is to expose the enemy. And we talked about that uh, in, in many, many times out of Ephesians 6 and 10. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but powers and principalities and spiritual wickedness in high places and the rulers of the darkness of this world. Therefore, take unto you the whole armor of God. Amen. We need to not just expose the enemy, which that is doing right there. We know the devil is the enemy, and our objective uh, needs to be clarified. We need to expose the enemy and clarify our objective. We want to see the captive set free. We want to see those held in Satan's prison house of darkness to be released from that that dark dungeon uh, that it seems impenetrable to get in and it seems impossible to get anybody out. Well, I want you to know we have some weaponry today. Hallelujah. That can break down the that break the bars uh, to that prison. Praise God and set captives free. Amen. To rescue those imprisoned in that stronghold. Amen. Striking the stronghold of the enemy has established in the hearts and lives and in particular the minds of many women, boys and girls. Amen. Is the objective that we have. A hallelujah. We used to sing the song in our congregation. We're going up to the high places to tear the devil's kingdom down. Our objective is clear. The target is well defined in the Word of God, and our weaponry is mighty through the Holy Spirit. Power to pull down strongholds. An important, in fact, a vital message if we're going to see a last day harvest of souls just before the coming of Jesus, just before the door of the ark is shut. 
Listen, let's go to Second Corinthians chapter 4 and let's expose the enemy and his work today. And let's establish uh, and clarify our objective and our plan of attack. Second Corinthians chapter 4 verse 3 and 4 says, But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world has blinded. That word in the Greek is tofluo, and it means to puff up with pride. It also means the same thing to describe a bottle that has been in a fire and the, and the heat and the smoke has caused the bottle to be, to, to be the clarity, uh, to be clouded uh, to where you cannot see through it and you cannot see what is in it. In whom the God of this world has to fool, blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Friend of mine, Satan, in his role as God of this age, has conducted a relentless, well-planned strategy to blind men's minds and women, boys and girls, to the truth about God and how to know Him as our Sovereign and our Savior through Christ. The veil, to veil the truth of the gospel. Someone as well said, whoever controls the mind controls the will. And whoever controls the will controls the life. And whoever controls the life controls ultimately the destiny of that life, that eternal soul. Listen to Revelation 2, 12 through 13, and let's expose the enemy. Revelation 2, 12 and 13. And to the angel of the church of Pergamos write, These things saith he which had the sharp sword with two edges. I know thy works, and where thou dwellest, even where Satan's seat is. And thou holdest fast my name, and hast not denied my faith, even in those days when Antipas, my faithful martyr, who was slain among you, where Satan dwelleth. Satan's headquarters was there, and he, this was his really base of operations. This word seat is the word thronus. And it's from throne. It means to sit, to be enthroned, a stately seat. This is where he dwelt. And this is, is, you know, he's not omnipresent. He's not a god. He's a fallen angel. He had a headquarters, a base of operations that was strategic to his plan to blind the minds of mankind. At the time of John's writing, he chose Pergamos. Let me tell you why he chose that as a place of influence. Listen, Pergamos lay north of Smyrna and was considered one of the finest cities of Asia. It had little or no commerce, but what was remarkable about it was its learning, refinement, and science, especially medicine. It was famous for its library, which consisted of 
100,000 books. And in that day, now that's, that's nothing, but in that day, that was an extraordinary thing. It was a cultural also, an intellectual center. It was also famous or infamous for its idolatry. There's a sculpture of Zeus there. And according to one Bible scholar uh, research into this city, it had a temple dedicated uh, to the god of, and I'm going to try to pronounce this, a sculpia, you know something, I'm going to not try. <laughs> it, it, it indeed is Greek to me. Uh, but it's, it's A-E-S-C-U-L-A-P-I-U-S. And it's, he was the God of healing to them. Now we know the true God of healing, don't we? Now I'm not, I'm not bashing medicine. I'm not trying to, to just do away with good science for the right reasons. What I'm saying is, this God of healing was a false God. And, and, and as all the gods that they were worshiping, it is, and, 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 and he was, he, his insignia, was the entwined serpent on a staff. This is still a medical symbol today. False healings were said to be wrought by those priests. Listen, Pergamos. Uh, by the way, there are real, genuine manifestations of God in the name of Jesus to heal today. If there wasn't, I wouldn't be bringing you this message because, dear friend of mine, I want you to know that I was dying of leukemia when I was about eight years of age. And the prayer of faith was prayed over me. And the doctor called. Actually, he had given up on me. We had no insurance. There was no technology like we have today. And so many children are dying of leukemia and other cancers today. But there was a cure for me. And it was genuine. And it was authentic. And, and my problem was not psychosomatic. Listen. And the person who prayed for me prayed for me in faith in the name of Jesus Christ. Actually, he cursed the cancer in my blood before my mother could explain to him about leukemia. He wasn't a highly educated man, but he was a powerful man of God. Amen. Listen, friend of mine, there is a false and there is a real and make no mistake about it. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Glory be to God. So this is not anti-medicine. This is not anti-science. This is separating that that the devil is using to deceive for that that is intended for good. And by the way, the good that comes out of all of this, hallelujah, is because of a good and gracious God, for every good and perfect gift, comes down first from the Father of lights, in whom there's no variableness nor shadow of turning. I believe the good science and the good medicine today to help people is a gift from God to people, to help other people. Hallelujah. Praise God. Listen, Pergamos was also called the City of Temples. Some called it the metropolis of heathen divinity, idolatrous rites and impure, sensuous, licentious worship were observed. The only library 
back to the intellectual part of this and the academic part of this city. The only library larger in the world was in Alexandria, and it burned, leaving Pergamos the largest in the world. Do you think the enemy had something to do with the burning that he inspired someone to do something or, or caused something in, 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 in that library so that where his base of operations was, where idolatry was rampant, where all of this, this licentious worship was going on, and that the city where he had his headquarters would become the primary city that people would go to for learning and science and medicine and and be influenced when they got there, not just by some intellectual exercise of the mind, but a real, genuine blinding of the mind. I believe it's significant that Satan chose an intellectual center combined with false religion to use as his base of operations. The battle for the mind is critical for Satan's strategy of deceit. Before we were saved, we were under his influence. Listen, Ephesians 2, 2 and 3. It says, Wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom we also had our conversation, our behavior, our lifestyle, our values, our conversation in times past, in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. Friend, the term carnal mind in Scripture is better understood as fleshly mind, a mind totally governed by our fallen flesh nature. And the enemy desires to defeat God's desire to reconcile sinful fallen man. Listen to Colossians 1 and verse 21. And you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, Yet now hath he reconciled. I like the NAS version of this. It says hostile. You are hostile in your mind. It is easy for Satan to build his stronghold of deceit in the hostile mind. To gain an influence. To, 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 to bring us to do evil works. Roman 8, Romans 8 and verse 7 says the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. This word enmity in the Greek, ektra, it means hostility, hatred, a reason for opposition. Many times the gospel and the Christian are met with violent opposition because Satan has that kind of stronghold of influence in the mind. And Jesus said, Marvel not therefore that the world hate you. Look with me at Ephesians four, seventeen through nineteen, and let's identify the enemy's strategy of defeat here. It says, This I say and testify in the Lord that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind 
having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over to lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. Look at the pattern here. Vanity of the mind, that puffing up with pride, that understanding, uh, uh, understanding has been darkened, bringing ignorance and blindness of heart, being past feeling given over to uncleanness and greed. It all starts with the vanity of mind. Vanity is the Greek word depravity. Satan is so deeply entrenched in our present culture and society, nothing short of successful spiritual warfare will result in the loosing of his prisoners. His strongholds in the minds of men and women must be cast down. Now listen, you can come out of a Bible college today, and I'm not against higher biblical education. But you can come out able to minister the Word of God accurately and effectively. But the battle and the target initially is the mind. But something has to occur for the darkened mind to see the light that you are bringing accurately and you're bringing earnestly. Uh, Many preachers are preaching the gospel with a purpose, with the objective of seeing people come out of darkness. But we have to know that our enemy is a spiritual enemy. Amen. And we have to understand that it's going to take spiritual weaponry in order to defeat him, in order to see them set free. And listen to this clearly. We teach men and women in our best Bible colleges. Some have become completely corrupted today and, and, and in no way understand the spiritual battle that must be won to win souls to Jesus. I, I have often read the, the, the sermons, the actual sermons that were preached by the great revivalist of old. And I, I'm not talking about that old, whether it be Billy Graham, or Billy Sunday, or George Whitfield, or D.L. Moody, or or C.H. Spurgeon. A friend of mine, they were highly effective in seeing souls set free from Satan's prison of darkness. Here is the key to winning this battle for them today for bringing down a stronghold that will allow the gospel that is being brought to be seen and understood and responded to. Listen to 2 Corinthians 10, 4 and 5. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Listen carefully here. This is not just a stronghold over this planet or over a city. It identifies specifically where he has built the stronghold, casting down imaginations. That has to do with the mind of man. And every high thing or thought, listen, that exalts itself against the knowledge of God 
and bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Jesus Christ. I like the one translation of the scripture. It says the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. This is not forcing someone to choose Jesus. And everyone will not. But they will have the presence of mind to know what is at stake and to see clearly the two ways that are set forth, the way that leads to life and the way that leads to destruction and the Savior that bids us choose His way. Hallelujah. Strongholds used to fight in the basic sense of fortress and then metaphorically anything on which one relies in the context here, it's used for the arguments and reasoning by which a, a, a someone endeavors to fortify his, uh, really a dispute, and somebody that wants to argue this and dispute it, it is to fortify his opinion and defend it against an opponent. Imaginations in the Greek is a reasoning thought, used here for thoughts of reason which in itself vaunting shuts itself off from God. That's in that pride, that, that self-exalting. We, through intercessory prayer, have divine power to pull down strongholds, cast down imaginations. Hallelujah. I like a, a testimony from Reverend, Reverend Jesse Powers. I want to, I'd love to shake his hand if he's still around. I'm getting up in years. A lot of people I'd love to meet. I'll have to meet them in heaven. But he said in, in a little obscure village in the state of Maine, a few earnest Christians got together and formed a prayer band. <laughs> this is not a band that plays music, dear friends. This is people who pray together in intercession. They selected the most hopeless case in the village and began to pray for his salvation. He was a drunkard and a human wreck, but eventually he was saved. And after he was saved, they selected another and then another and then another in one single year. And this is a little town. This is not a metropolis. <laughs> 200 were saved. That is a Holy Ghost revival. But it came when strongholds were pulled down and people saw the choice of light over darkness and they chose the light. Listen, every great awakening in the history of the church from the time of the apostles till now has been the result of effective intercessory prayer. There have been great awakenings without much preaching without much or any organization, but never without prayer. Someone has said it's, in, it's impossible to estimate the power of this kind of praying. David Brainerd went out to reach the North American Indians for Christ. He was deep in the forest and alone. He was unable to speak their language. He spent whole days in prayer. 
He knew he must depend upon the power of God. Once he preached through a drunken interpreter who was hardly able to stand. A friend of mine did scores of Indians were converted, saved, and born again. That is supernatural power. Hallelujah. In operation. Strongholds were brought down through prayer, and it didn't take a powerful, powerful uh, preaching in and of itself. It took the power of God to take what is preached, open the eyes of the blind. You, you know, Jesus was anointed to open the eyes of the blind. He said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me to open the eyes of the blind. And immediately we think of physical blindness. Jesus didn't just come to heal blind Bartimaeus. He he did that. Amen. But his primary mission wasn't just to heal our bodies. I'm a I'm healed of cancer, leukemia, and 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 healed of a stroke ten years ago. And in oh friend of mine, God still heals today. But we see When he said he opened the eyes of the blind, we see the blind man saying, I can see, I can see. Listen, but the blindness he initially came to open was this kind of spiritual blindness beginning with the blinding of the mind. Prayer is the single single force, most important. Listen, and it's the single most factor in soul winning. Dr. Jowett said, And I quote, I'd rather teach one man to pray than ten men to preach. Oh, friend of mine, we have a, we have a great enemy in the devil. We have a greater ally in the Lord Jesus Christ. And our weapons are not carnal, but when we pray in intercession, amen. Oh, friend of mine, we execute our plan of attack. We not only expose the enemy, clarify our objective, and his battle is clearly for the mind. We execute our plan of attack. Hallelujah. Striking the stronghold the enemy has established is the key to victory. To rescue the imprisoned in chains of darkness. Oh, the, the old Salvation Army band used to sing the song, Rescue the perishing. Jesus came to rescue the perishing. Our objective should be the same as Christ's objective. Hallelujah. He didn't come to condemn the world. He came because the world was condemned. He came to seek and he came to save that, that and those who are lost today. I believe we've been challenged by the Word of God to not just preach the gospel, but to begin to intercede in prayer. That It wasn't a secret weapon that Billy Graham used. He knew, if you don't prepare for a year and get people in that city praying, I'm going to preach with little result. But if you get the city praying, get enough people in the city that I'm coming to praying, and they pray for a year for souls to be saved, and they get in their car, go across the street (laughs) and get someone and say, will you come to this meeting that's in our city today so they can hear the gospel, but mainly pray that they might heed the gospel. Friend of mine, 
mighty things occurred. Whitfield, the same. Every one of the mighty revivalists in our contemporary day and in days gone by. It's not a secret weapon. The weapon was intercessory prayer and then preaching clearly and simply the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ after praying that strongholds in the mind would come down. Does it mean that everybody's going to get saved? No. It does mean that everybody will come to the place where they can see clearly, amen, that there is a road that leads to destruction and there's a road that leads to salvation so they can make that choice. Hallelujah. Instead of not even seeing the choice or thinking they even have a choice or even want to make a choice. Oh, friend of mine, I want to see a harvest of souls before the coming of Jesus Christ. How about you? I pray that you will join me in prayer that many souls will be brought into the kingdom of God because these strongholds in the mind that are so well established can come crashing down, not by might and not by the power of even great preaching, but by the Spirit of the living God. Hallelujah. I pray the Lord of the harvest today will help us. You know, that's what Jesus taught. He said, pray the Lord of the harvest that he would send laborers into the field for the harvest is plenteous, but the laborers are few. And friend of mine, if we are going to be laborers, it's not just putting in the sickle by preaching the gospel. It's bringing down strongholds. If you're a laborer in God's field, you must first become a spiritual warrior that we can wage effectively spiritual warfare and we can strike at the stronghold of the enemy that he has established in the minds of men and women, boys and girls. Praise God. Well, friend of mine, I am, I am ready to see a breakthrough revival. We have taught many to preach. We have taught few to pray warfare prayers. And they're the only kind of prayers that is going to make a difference. Oh, dear friend of mine, today is a day to take ground from the enemy, to see captives set free. That's what Jesus was appointed and anointed to do. And even as the Father sent him, he said, so I'm sending you. Today, we are appointed. And I'm going to tell you, when you get appointed, something comes with it and you are anointed. And we need to utilize the power of intercessory warfare praying. <laughs> For our weapons are not stronghold, but they not not fleshly, carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Somebody listening to this broadcast today, and you've been alienated. You've been an enemy in your mind. You've been hard-hearted against the gospel. Somehow or another, you've found your way to this website. You may have been raised in church, but it just turns you off to hear a Christian song. 
It just turns you off for someone to tell you you need to get back in church. Well, I'm not going to tell you to get back in church, although we all need to assemble together much more now. I'm going to tell you to come back to God if you have fallen away from Him. I'm going to tell you that a stronghold is falling by the Spirit of God, by the power of God, by the person of Jesus. Hallelujah. Your chains are broken. That prison can't hold you. You can choose to walk free today. And all the resources of heaven and all the power of God and the person of the Holy Spirit will see to it that nothing can hold you back. You that don't know Him today, you can come to know Him today. If you've stayed with us and you have to this part of our broadcast, that means the Spirit of God has held you here. Because this is not your pattern. You usually run from preaching and preachers. But here you are today. There's a battle for your soul. Ah, but something is occurring in your life right now. Not by my preaching alone, my teaching alone, not even by the Word alone, as powerful as it is. But in your mind, a stronghold has fallen. And I pray right now you will choose Christ, light over darkness, love over the hate of your enemy, and you will receive Jesus as your Savior. Walk out of that prison and be free in Jesus' name.